0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: We find ourselves sometimes in a barren place. We find ourselves in a desolate place sometimes. We find ourselves in a lonely place and we think at those times, you know, we're tempted sometimes to feel like God has even abandoned us. But, you know, it could be in that place that God might speak to you and reveal things to you greater than anything you have previously known. So don't despise those kinds of situations.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian begins his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian begins this series with his teaching on Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 through 8 in a message titled, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: Revelation chapter 1, the first eight verses. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha, and the omega the beginning and the end says the lord who is who was and who is to come the almighty so here we are we're here to study the book of revelation here i'm excited about studying revelation together with you i've been reading it for the past few months just over you know on my own in my devotional time just happened to come to it in the natural course of my bible reading and then you know reading through it one time, I thought, you know I want to go back and, and I want to read through it again and and each time I read through it i'm just you know I, I'm just so moved in my heart, and you know I was thinking about it last night I was thinking about you know what's really what is the thing that that's speaking to me and interestingly you know it's it's not what people might think because of course it's full of prophecy and it's full of future events and all of these kinds of things, and all of those things are fascinating and exciting, and we're going to get into all of them. But you know, the thing that's standing out to me as I read the book is just the greatness of God. And and this book, like like no other book in the Bible, really displays the greatness of God and, of course, the glory of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the thing that we're going to really be focusing on as we make our way through Revelation. So our primary purpose in studying the book of Revelation, is not so much to find contemporary events or trends that support the belief that the book is about to be fulfilled, although we will engage in that to some extent. Our main purpose is to see Jesus Christ in all of his glory and majesty as he brings forth his judgment upon this world, and ultimately establishes the kingdom of God. That's the, the big themes that we're going to be focusing on as we go through. Now, as we look at the book of Revelation, one of the things that you're going to see is that the book of Revelation, of course, is a book of prophecy, and therefore it is much more like an Old Testament book than it is like a New Testament book. It's like you're reading through Isaiah or through Ezekiel or through Daniel or through Zechariah. It's it's very much like that in its feel, and it really is the the book in the Bible where where everything culminates. And all of these different things that have that have been spoken of from the very beginning, from the book of Genesis all the way through, they all kind of just come to their climactic point in the book of Revelation. And that's uh, understandable because it really is the book of the the consummation of all things. Genesis, of course, is the book of beginnings and Revelation is, if you will, it's the book of the end, but it's not the end as we would think about it because the end is actually the beginning of an entirely new thing. So that's what we're going to see as we make our way through the book. Now, our text is the one that we read and, and so... I want you to notice, looking back over the verses that we read, I want to start with just drawing your attention to the third verse where we are told, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things which are written in it. So this is the only single book of the Bible where there's a a blessing promised upon the reader, the hearer, and the assumption, of course, in both cases, is that they're going to keep what's written in here. Now, you can say over all of scripture, there is that promise, uh, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. Psalm 1 tells us there's a blessing for those who meditate in the word of God, but this is the only single book that pronounces a blessing upon those who, who read it, and those who hear it. And the reason there's a distinction between reading and hearing here is because in the early days of the church, they didn't have individual copies of the scripture like we do today. Today, of course, thank God we've got, every one of us have a Bible or 10. And uh, back in those days, I'm thinking of the 10 Bibles I have on my desk. But back in those days, not everybody had their own copy of the scriptures. So they would gather together congregationally and the scriptures would be read by a reader, and then, of course, there would be the the congregation that would be listening. So the blessing is pronounced upon uh, both those who read, and some translations add the word aloud, they read it aloud, and then also upon those who hear it. And I promise you that that is indeed going to be the case. And I want to encourage you to do your best to try to read through uh, the book of Revelation, throughout our time of studying it together. I don't think you can actually read it enough. You just, you know, as we are going over it and you make your way personally through it, there's the guaranteed blessing that will come as a result of that according to what the text itself tells us. Now, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ as we read here in verse one, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. And then as we look at verse four, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. So John is the human instrument through which the book was brought to the church. And this is the John that we read about in the gospels, who was the son of Zebedee, he was the brother of James, he was the close friend of Peter and Andrew, and he was a part of that initial group of young men who began to follow Jesus. And I was just thinking about how interesting it is that John was the one who was to receive the revelation. You know, when we we look at the New Testament, we know that when it comes to the epistles, the instruction, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, the majority of epistles in the New Testament. The Apostle John, of course, wrote the Gospel of John, and then he wrote three uh, small letters, First John, Second John, Third John. But then he is the one who's given the commission to write this revelation down. And when you think of who John was in relation to Jesus, I think it's it's quite interesting to consider that he was that person. There was an occasion, maybe you remember reading this, there was an occasion where Peter was told by Jesus, this is at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus tells Peter that he's going to die for his faith. And Peter, John is in the vicinity, Peter sort of points toward John and says to Jesus, well, what about him? And Jesus said this. He says, what is it to you if he remain until I come? That's that's really not your business, he says. He says, you follow me. But it's interesting that, that Jesus said that. Now, some people interpreted, John tells us this in his gospel, some people interpreted from that that John was not going to die. He was going to live on until he saw the coming of the Lord. But John makes it clear that that's not what Jesus said. He just said, what if he remains until I come? What is that to you? But it's interesting that John, in a sense, did not die till he saw the coming of the Lord because that's what he saw in this vision here in the book of Revelation. And so John is the one who seemed to understand better than anyone else the reality that Jesus was God in human flesh. You remember, he spells all of that out in the first chapter of his gospel. And the word was with God, the word was God, In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so John understood that. In his first epistle, he writes, and he says, speaking of the word, he says, that which we have seen, and that which we have heard, and that which our hands have handled, and that word of life. And so you know, John really understands that. He really seems to grasp this incarnation that Jesus is actually God in human form. And then I think of John, who most people feel was probably the youngest of the apostles. And some commentators would put him at the age of maybe 17, 18, 19 or so, uh, when he began to follow the Lord. Uh, we know that John had a, a real intimate relationship with Jesus. John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. John talks about having leaned on the breast of Jesus at the what we commonly call the Last Supper there. But I think of John as this young man who is in business with his brother James and his father Zebedee, their fishermen, And I think of how this young man, he, at a certain point in time, he he leaves his nets on the shores of the Sea of Galilee to never return, and he follows Jesus. And he follows him so closely, so deeply, so intimately, that much later in life, that's where we are now, he ends up being exiled to the island of patmos by the roman authorities because of his testimony for the gospel and here he is on this deserted island this island's is about 40 miles off the western coast of turkey even today the po- the entire population of patmos is just over a couple of thousand people so it was probably much less back then but there he is at an old age Most scholars believe that John was quite old when he received this revelation. But here he is in this barren, desolate, and lonely place, and it's here that he receives the greatest prophetic word of all. And you know, I think that in and of itself is something for us to just think about for a second. We find ourselves sometimes in a barren place. We find ourselves in a desolate place sometimes. We find ourselves in a lonely place, and we think at those times You know we're tempted sometimes to feel like God has even abandoned us, but you know it could be in that place that God might speak to you and reveal things to you greater than anything you've you've previously known. So, so don't despise those kinds of situations. Know that it very well could be the opportunity that God's going to use to speak a fresh word into your life, and and that's what happened with John. He receives here the greatest prophetic revelation that was ever given to any person because all of the prophecies culminate in this one prophecy. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Some of the old versions of the Bible, I've even seen ones that say the revelation of Saint John the divine, but the book is called the revelation of Jesus Christ or literally in the Greek, the apocalypsis. And the word apocalypse, that we translate apocalypse into revelation, the word apocalypse means the unveiling or the the full disclosure. And so what we have in this book is the full disclosure, Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter, is none other than the Lord of glory, and that's what the book of Revelation is making crystal clear. You know, still to this very day, people think of Jesus often, many people think of Jesus just in terms of, a, of another person. He's a, you know, just another human being. He was a person who maybe did have some extra insight spiritually to things, or a person who maybe was close to God, or in some cases, well, Jesus was a prophet. But Revelation makes it clear to us that Jesus was much more than that. He is nothing less than the Lord of glory. And so, We're going to focus on verses 4 through 8 here now as we move on beyond that introduction. But just a quick word on John to the seven churches which are in Asia. But the seven churches, just understand it as this is written to the church in its entirety. That's what seven uh, symbolizes. The number seven is the number of completion. And especially in the book of Revelation, when you find seven, that's what's being referred to because it's all through the book of Revelation. You, you begin here with uh, the seven churches and you've got the seven spirits and then you've got the seven uh, seals and the seven trumpets and the seven bulls and the seven angels and over and over again in this book, we're going to find seven. And it's always speaking of completion or totality. And so this is written to the church in its totality. And so the salutation, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ. So right here up front, we have this, this salutation, this greeting from Notice the triune God. Right here in the book of Revelation, the very first few verses, it's clear that God is triune. And so we have that salutation from the Father, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, from the Spirit, the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. This is the only place in the New Testament where the order of the members of the Trinity is rearranged in every other place where you have a Trinitarian formula presented in in the New Testament it's always the order is always the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit but only in this place is it the Father the Spirit and the Son. people have wondered well why is the order switched here? And I think the order is switched here because the emphasis here is on the humanity of the Son and on the fact that he, is the one who is crowned as the king over all things. So I think it's just simply because of that, that the order is changed. But just a couple of quick words on the way both the Father and uh, the Spirit are described. So the Father is described here as the one who is, who was, and who is to come, or was and is and is to come. And what you have there is a description of the self existence and the eternality of God. This is the only place also in the New Testament where you find God being described in this way. And it harkens back to the way God spoke of himself when he revealed himself all the way back to the patriarchs and specifically to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Maybe you remember the story Moses comes upon this bush that's burning And he realizes that it's the Lord. And God speaks to him, take off your shoes from your feet. This is holy ground and so forth. And God commissions Moses, you know, to go to Pharaoh and to deliver the people of Israel from their captivity. And Moses says, who do I, okay, when I go, who do I say sent me? And the Lord said, say that I am hath sent you. And the Hebrew word I am there is I am the one who was and is and is to come. So here in the book of Revelation, we're seeing how all of, all of the revelation from Genesis all the way through, it's all tied together. So God is here presenting himself in the same fashion that he revealed himself to Moses, the one who was and is and is to come. And then the seven spirits, So again, the number of seven is completion. So here, the idea is the fullness of the spirit. But then thirdly, the salutation is from Jesus Christ, the God-man. And then he's described as the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. And so these are the things that I really want to focus on, as well as a few others. First of all, Jesus is spoken of here as the faithful witness, the faithful witness. Jesus is the faithful representation of God. He's the faithful witness. He showed us perfectly, exactly who God is, and the New Testament states that many times over. Jesus himself declared that. You remember in the 14th chapter of John, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and at a certain point, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and and then we'll be happy. We'll be satisfied. Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you so long that you haven't recognized me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not know that the Father is in me, and I am in him? So Jesus himself declared that he was if if you see him you've seen the father and of course the other writers in the new testament said the same thing we perhaps uh you remember the passage in hebrews that reminds us of that speaking of christ that he is the brightness of god's glory in the exact representation of his person jesus went on to say that both his words and his works were the result of the Father who was dwelling in him. John uh, fourteen ten. he said, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. And then that great text in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. So you see, Jesus is the faithful witness.
0: Now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource.
1: So, Brian, John Bonner, a missionary pioneer in Peru, has written a book. He has written a book called The Myth of Coincidence, and it is such a great book. It's a small book, but you know how both of us love missionary biographies? That's right. Well, this is one adventure, I'll tell you. It's an amazing story of how... Uh, you know, John's own personal life and some of the things that happened, some of the tragedy, his meeting Pilar, his wife, in Mexico City, them being there during one of the big earthquakes, and then the Lord leading them into Peru. And now, 20 years they've been in Peru and pioneering the gospel there, planted many churches. And I couldn't put the book down, it was a page turner. So, John Bonner. And the title, again, is The Myth of Coincidence. And he just basically shows through the book that there are no coincidences, that God is at work behind
0: the scenes. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. You can order the book The Myth of Coincidence by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner to help you understand that God is working behind the scenes in your life too. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com To Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.
1: Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022, and we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th, and this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian, you and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount, Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.